You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Hey, uh, one of the things I love about this place is that in any given week, uh, there, there are a stack of people in this auditorium uh, who are just checking out God or wanting to know what this whole Christianity thing is about. It's always a sign of a great and a healthy church that that's happening. And so as a result, it always gives us a great opportunity to, to come back to the heart of what Christianity is. And that's why over the past uh, three, four, five weeks, we've been doing a series called The Other Guy, looking at the guy behind the guy of Christianity. You see, Jesus always gets plenty of mention in the Bible and around the world, but uh, often what uh, we as Christians uh, sometimes forget, and, uh, and for those that are just checking out God need some clarity around, is uh, that there was this other guy, the Holy Spirit, uh, which was behind his ministry and his miracles and all the incredible stuff uh, that he did. And so it helps us to remember that Christianity is always... It's always more than just principles and practices. The doctrine and all those sorts of things, turning up to church, that's important. Uh, and, and, And Christianity is never less than that, but it's more than that. In other words, Christianity is a power. We've been learning that, that it's, it's a power that is injected into your life through the Holy Spirit. That when you believe in God, the very lifeblood of God injects itself into you uh, wherever you're at in life. And so what that means, you know, Peter says you must grow up in your salvation. That's a funny statement. But what he's really saying is that, that anyone who is a Christian is a teenager. Has anyone uh, ever been a teenager here before? <laughs> We've got some teenagers here with our youth ministry. It's awesome. Are any adults still acting like teenagers here? That's, that's probably the more important question. Uh, you know, the, the great truth of Christianity is that, uh, that we are teenagers when we first believe in Jesus. That is, um, I don't know about you, but Kristen talks about it all the time. That I, I had when I was a, a teenager uh, what she calls an alien phase. Uh, you know, where your feet are too big compared to the rest of your body. And, and your nose is too big compared to the rest of your face. And people say, it's all right, you know, you'll grow into it, son. And, and then you grow up and you realise you haven't grown into it and it's still just as big. Um, you, you have an alien face. So in, in other words, there are characteristics of who you are that actually hint at that which you're going to grow into. It, it actually suggests, it, it says, hey, this person still has some growing to do. And one of the great truths of the Christian life is that when you're a Christian, like a teenager, in other words, there are things within you that hint that there is still enormous potential for change in your life. That that who you are when you first meet Jesus Christ is definitely not going to be who you are when you meet him on the other side of heaven. And so uh, that means when we look at this passage tonight, we'll look through talking about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, love and joy and peace. It says, would you like a life of love and joy and peace? And it's saying the other guy, the Holy Spirit, is the key to that. And the big question here is, you know, how, how, can, an, how can a selfish person become unselfish? And how can an angry person become happy? And how can a controlling person become a liberator? How can a cowardly person become courageous? And it says the Holy Spirit is the key to that. And that's the question. There's no more better question in society right at the moment. No more relevant question that society asks itself. You know, how do we change? And in asking that question, you, you know it. Every bookstore has a self-help section, doesn't it? 
You know, I, I, it's really funny. I, I, I might be one of my lifelong missions of, of getting into bookstores and just clarifying a, clarifying a few things because, because you always tend to find this book, the Bible, in the self-help section. And I think that's the most stupid place to have the Bible because the whole message of the Bible is you can't help yourself. <laughs> so why put it in the self-help section? But if you read the books to their self-help section, there's always one of three different categories of books. There's the mechanical. That's the five steps to success in life. You know, the mechanical approach to change. Or there's the moral approach to change. So it's, you know, let's try to be a more beautiful person. Or, 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 you, or you get the magical approach. Those books, you know, The Secret. You can find the secret. That's the magical approach to change. And yet Christianity is so different from all of that. Christianity is so different from all of that, as we'll see tonight. Because Christianity says the biggest challenge, the greatest challenge for any human being in changing is not being good or being religious. But the biggest challenge for every Christian is just growing up. It's saying that you're a teenager, your feet are too big. You need to grow into your nose. Um, you were designed to grow up. Look at your shoes. And so my question for you tonight is, do you need to grow up? <laughs> do you need to grow up in your salvation, as Peter puts it? We're going to read from Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 18 to 26. Uh, there's no, it's not going to be on the screens tonight because I'm encouraging you to read from your Bibles. Cheeky. Or your iPhones, whatever electronic device you want. <laughs> Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5 verse 16 onwards it says So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature But the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature They're in conflict with each other We talked about this the other week So that uh, you are not to do whatever you want In other words Christianity is a bar fight you know, It's a struggle But if you are led by the spirit you're not under the law Uh, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with it, sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. The fruit of the Spirit is always synonymous with growth. It means Christian character. What what should the Christian character look like? And when I was thinking about what Christian character looked like, I thought of a lady that some of us would have seen in our studies uh, last week called Joni Erickson Tata. And in Joni Erickson Tata in 1967, she was a 17-year-old. She jumped off a pier and she broke her neck. And lying in hospital for a period of two weeks, she considered that she would take uh, her life. This was just too much for her to deal with. And instead, she chooses to surrender her life to God. And little did she know that the, the other guy, the Holy Spirit, would transform her into one of the most godliest people the world has ever seen. 
I mean, I, I had to write down all the different things that she's done. But like, for example, during her first uh, many hours of rehab, uh, during all the hours of what she was doing, she learned how to paint with her teeth. And her artworks now are in demand all around the world. And then as the life went on, her autobiography got made into a feature film. And so plenty of people have seen that. And then in 1979, she founded Joni and Friends. And she has this organisation that ministers to uh, millions of people around the world. And she started this other organisation called, uh, where is it here? Uh, it's, it's to do Wheels for the World, which have since donated over 52,000 wheelchairs to disabled people around the world. Over one million people listen to her radio program each week. And in 2005, she was appointed to the US Disability Commission. You know, you know, you know the incredible thing about Joni? It wasn't, it's not all her accomplishments that gets people that have met her. I haven't met her yet, but, but the anecdotes of when people meet her say that whenever you meet her, she's always breaking into song. And there's always a scripture verse and there's always a moment for this lady in this wheelchair to encourage you. I mean... Have you ever been around a person like that? You know those people that just have something within them that is just, just otherworldly? I mean, how, how do they make you feel? How do you react? Who do you want to be around them? I mean, I, I just would want to be around people like that. And would it be fair to say that people like that can be infectious, right? You just, you just want to be like them. Yeah, I just want to be like Joni. I just want to be like that person. And, and funnily enough, what this passage is teaching is that those fruits of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness, it's to be infectious because uh, theologically we call them the communicable attributes of God, the communicable attributes of God. In, in other words, uh, there are things of God that, that he can't communicate easily, his holiness and his all-knowingness and his all-powerfulness. It's hard to experience that in God, but, but his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness they're the things that are communicable. It's like a communicable, communicable disease. We've heard of that term, right? It, it, it's called that because it's infectious. How do you get that disease? You get that disease from hanging around another person that has the communicable disease. And so what, what this is saying here is that the fruits of the Spirit are, is God's communicable disease. That is that if you hang around Him long enough, then you're going to catch it. And if people hang around you long enough, then they're going to catch it too, like a journey. And so the real question is, as we see here tonight, is that, that how, how are you going with that? Are you a, are you a journey type where, where the, the joy and the peace and the patience just naturally flow from who you are, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation, regardless of whether or not you've got a broken neck? You know, are you infectious to people? I don't know about you, but I, like, I, str- I struggle with that. <laughs> you just got to get close enough to the people around you, your family and friends, to know that we don't quite get it right as Christians, right? <laughs> That's the big struggle. I think we struggle for a couple of reasons. The first one is that I think the first reason we struggle is we don't think it's possible to change. We look at someone like Joni, and I don't know what you're like when you heard that story, but for me, when I first hear that, I think, well, yeah, that's because that's her situation, and that was something miraculous, and and uh, yeah, I, I just don't know how I would go if I was in that situation. And I think the faith crisis within the church is not a crisis of faith in God, but it's more a crisis, particularly for us that are Christians, it's a faith crisis in what God wants to do through us. That I think sometimes we just, we don't, 
We don't have faith in what, what is possible for him to do through us. I'm sure Joni never thought that, that 52,000 wheelchairs and, and a radio program of a million people would come out of a broken neck. And so our first faith crisis is not trying to believe in God, but it's what he's going to do for us. And I think maybe the reason is that some of us come to Christianity in the hope that it'll help a little bit. You know, that it'll help us with a few bad habits or, it, it, you know, there's stuff in our life that's getting on our skin and on our friend's skin. And if we just go to church enough, then, oh, then Christianity might fix it. And yet Jesus comes into the world and he says, I'm the one who brought the innumerable stars into existence. And I did all that just with the, just with the, just the whisper of my voice. And I want to take all of that power and all of that greatness and I want to funnel that into you and I want to channel that into, in, into making you a person of greatness and dealing with every single flaw in your life and every single thing that you hate about yourself. And I want to pour that into you and I'm here to be committed to your holiness and to your beauty and to your purity and to your wonder. I'm here to make you a person of greatness, says Jesus. And my question is, do we live as if that's true? And C.S. Lewis says we need to repent of our small ambitions for our lives. We don't think it's possible. I think that is the big problem. We don't change because we don't think it's possible. We're, we're content being a dorky teenager. We're content with size 14 shoes. <clears throat> uh, that's the reason I, le- I at least struggle. The other reason I struggle is because I think sometimes we try and MacGyver our spiritual life. Now, I have to explain this for all of our Gen Ys and anyone under the age of 30, but uh, MacGyver, so youth crew, yeah. um, MacGyver was this, uh, he, he was superhero status as far as I was concerned. Um, MacGyver, MacGyver worked for this special department of the LA Police Department and uh, MacGyver used to get himself into all these sorts of tricky situations. He'd be trapped in a cave or he'd be half hanging out of a plane that, that needs its wing fixed midair and somehow MacGyver would do it with his trusty pen knife and a roll of duct tape. And, and that's all MacGyver needed to fix the situation. And so every episode, MacGyver was in some sort of tricky situation and he was able to patch it up with a penknife and a roll of duct tape. Now, I think, I think part of the challenge when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit is with why we struggle with the love and the joy and the peace is because we try and MacGyver it. That is, we take something that is inherently broke in our lives and we just try to patch it up. We just try to get out some duct tape and we say, oh, I'm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Sam preached on, I must be a loving person because the Bible says that I must be loving. <laughs> oh, and I must be kind to my boss today because I went to church on Sunday and Sam said that I have to be kind to my boss. And <laughs> You see what I'm saying? We, we try and MacGyver our spiritual life. We try and patch it up, you know, you know, last minute quick fix to get out of the situation. And, and here's the principle behind it is that you know, external compliance can restrain the heart. And here's, here's what I mean by external compliance can restrain the heart. External compliance means, it's, you know, it's the duct tape, it's attaching these things. And so when you read verses like the ones that we flinch at in this passage, verse 19, where it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. I was just wondering if Paul could be a little bit more, could expand a bit more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, external compliance is is to look at these things and say 
which things in my life must I not do? And then to look at the, spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit and say, oh, they're the things I must do. So it, to, external compliance means to build up a list in your mind of the things you go, oh, okay, that's right. Here's the things that the Bible says that I shouldn't be doing. And here are the things the Bible says I should be doing. And we'll just aim at that. And yet the heart of Christianity, the heart of what Paul's saying here, you know, that, that, that's, what we call, that's, that's religion. That's what we call religion there. You just try and take these things and comply to them. That's religion. But when Paul uses phrases you know, like the acts of the sinful nature or the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying that these things, these things are symptoms. They're overflows of an underlying cause. And so you can't MacGyver these things. Not long term. It's just going to end up in a whole world of pain and you're not going to escape as well as he does from some of his situations. So you're setting yourself up for a world of pain. And look, even ironically as a Christian, you can MacGyver the fruits of the Spirit. Here's how you can MacGyver the fruits of the Spirit. You, you love people, but only when that person is going to be of use to you. That you're joyful so long as all your circumstances are going really well. Or that you're peaceful with people, but really it's just disguised apathy and you really don't care. And you come across as a person of peace. That... That you're patient. You go, see, I, 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 don't, I don't react to these things. I'm wonderfully patient. But it's because you're duct taping over the top of indifference. You guys seeing the subtlety in what we're saying here? That there, there can be counterfeit fruits of the Spirit. And where a lot of churches stuff up and hurt people is that they've duct taped these things to their lives. And they go and do this in church and people get hurt because, you know, what happens when you discover that? When it all unravels and it falls apart... Now, what, what, how, do, how do people like that make you feel? Is it infectious? Is it communicable? You can't MacGyver your way. I think that's why we struggle. And so as, as we're getting through tonight, how do, how do we, where do we go from here? <laughs> what do we do? Um, the other guy, the Holy Spirit is here. And what this passage teaches us to enact a dynamic of inner change, not external manipulation. He's here to enact a, a dynamic of inner change, not external manipulation. Let, let me put it this way. There's, there's two different ways to bend a bit of metal, right? Two, two different ways to shape metal. The first way is you can bend it and you can keep bending it into shape. And if you bend it hard enough, what happens? The thing breaks. You get metal fatigue. It breaks off. It breaks in your hand. The other way you can shape metal is to melt it is to melt it and to reshape it. And, and what the dynamic behind this passage here is tonight is that God wants to melt your heart in order to reshape you. He doesn't want to bend it. He doesn't want to break it. He wants to take you with where you're at tonight, whether you believe in God or not. And he, he wants to just gently apply a little bit of heat, <laughs> just a little bit of heat, a bit at a time and a bit at a time. And, a bit, and it might be a Sunday at a time or it might be a group at a time or it might be a conversation at a time. But God's, God's here to melt you. He's not here to break you into his shape or to use the fruit analogy like Paul you know does fruit happen instantly no I've told you I'm I, I, I'm a budding horticulturalist I have a lemon tree <laughs> and lemons don't just pop from trees particularly when they're you know it's in limes as well when they're 25 a kilo you see it, it takes time to cultivate and to grow from a healthy root system and, and, and so Paul's saying that the, the, the Christian life is a hidden and a mysterious growth, a root system in the life of God that eventually will begin to emerge from your life. 
And so in other words, if you want the fruits of the Spirit, you need to expect gradual growth. Christianity is a hidden, gradual power. You know, the Bible, as we've seen, describes it as a seed that's planted within you. You know, the seed of the Holy Spirit planted within you. And see, here's the thing. Seeds don't explode. Seeds don't go off. Seeds seeds are not like firecrackers. They dribble. You know, they, they, they percolate. They permeate. They work. They take time. They're a living thing. They're a living power. They're organic. And, and here's the thing. Like, if a seed had a head-on collision with a slab of cement, who do you think would win? The cement. Because seeds are organic. They're not mechanical. It brings out life. The, the slab's inorganic. It's, it's not organic, but the seed's organic. And see, here's what I'm getting at. Look, you know, people think that if I want to deal with life's problems, I've got to become like a slab of cement. I've got to get hard. You know, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to get brittle so that life's problems just bounce off me. And yet the trick with Christianity is that, is that it's saying here it's, it's organic, it's gradual. There's a seed in there that the hidden power of God that's inevitable and gradual and secret, relentless growth that comes into you. And, and by that divine nature, you're born again and you're changed and shaped by the other guy. And there it is. There's the difference between Christianity and the self-help section. It's not, it's not mechanical. It's, it's, it's not just moral. It's not magical it's almost like all three in one. And, and that's why we talk through this, the, fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, a, a root system that is eventually going to emerge in your life. God, God wants to melt your heart. He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to break it tonight. And so when we ask, well, what do we do? You know, how, how does all this work itself out? Um, I won't go into it now. I preached on this passage a couple of years back in our Galatians series. So you can go back and have a look to, to this principle that I'm expounding now. But it's, it's really the, 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 the engine of how Christianity works. I call it the two-stroke engine of Christianity, <laughs> of repenting and rejoicing and repenting and rejoicing and repenting and rejoicing and repenting and rejoicing. There's a, there's a dynamic, there's an engine at the heart of the Christian. And so to repent and rejoice, repent means metanoiete. Think about your thinking. To repent means to just stop tonight. And to think about the ways that you might be MacGyvering your life, patching up these fruits of the Spirit. It means to think about the ways that you're externally conforming to the things of God. But the rejoicing, the rejoicing is to think in of this Jesus that breathes the stars into existence and his intimate desire to want to grab you and shape you and change you into all that you have meant to be. And that's where you go, wow, this is an exciting and this is an incredible dynamic. It's repenting and rejoicing and repenting and rejoicing and repenting and rejoicing. If we had more time, we'd talk about it. But look, as I finish up, look, here's, here's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's good news or bad news tonight. You want, which one do you want first? Bad news? Yeah, you always want the bad news first, isn't it? Um, the bad news is you've got incredibly big shoes to fill this week, you bunch of teenagers. <laughs> you have big shoes to fill. We've got a whole team that have big shoes to fill as they head across to Madagascar. And so what it means is... In some ways, you might need to repent of your small ambitions for your life. There, there is enormous potential for change in your life through the power of God. So I think, at least for me, I've got to repent of my small ambitions. Um, some of us have got to repent of the MacGyvering that we've been doing around the place, that we've been duct-taping love and kindness, and it's been hurting people. But there's this wonderful mystery of the Holy Spirit who's going to come into our life and change us and shape us gradually. The good news is... Um, ready for the good news? Yeah, yeah Okay. The good news is you have incredibly big shoes to fill this week. (laughs) Um, 
Christianity is single-handedly a lot harder and easier than you can ever imagine. And the great news is there is there is an identity, there is a value, there is a promise placed upon your life tonight that you are the very vehicle for God in this world. That there there are shoes that you need to fill this week. There are shoes that you you are being called to this week. And the only way that that will happen is if you grow up. And the only way that you're going to grow up is you, if you look and you tap your root system into the power of that person we call the Holy Spirit or um, the other guy. So they're there. Um, grow. Grow, go, you teenagers, you grow into your face, grow into your shoes, um, do whatever you need to do. But my hope and prayer is that he will do that in and through you. Let's pray.